Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Let's give Terrence a warm welcome. The last time Terrence spoke... I was like, man, I'm going to change the world because this guy is motivating. And so I'm just excited uh, for you to just hear about what uh, he's going to share God's word today. So thank you, Terrence, for being here. Change the world. That's, that's a heavy order. The ring. Hopefully, you guys, when you leave here today, you will know that you are loved. Matter of fact, today obviously is Mother's Day. And if you are a mom, and you've been a mom for years, if you've been a mom for just a week, no matter how long, how short, whether you, if you have been a mother to someone that wasn't necessarily yours, but you're like, nobody is brushing this kid's teeth, I gotta tell them. No matter what it is, if you can raise your hand right now, if that's you, yes, yes, get those hands in there. Let's give our moms a big round of applause. Yes. And moms, moms, when I think of the word mom, I, I think of love. Everybody, turn to the person next to you and say, the moms are love. Some of you guys right now are thinking of your mom. You're like, no, that's not my mom. She is not love. She has hurt me. But we're, we're thinking of love. And I keep on looking at your shirt. Nice Iron Man shirt. Anybody seen Civil War in here yet? Civil War? Yeah? Good movie. Uh, sorry, I'm a big comic book fan. So as you guys probably know, if you were here last time I was here, I talked about the movie Avengers. And that's funny because Civil War just came out this week. But that's a whole nother story. So here's the deal. Moms are love, okay? That's what I think of. When I think of moms, I think of love. And when I think of love, I think of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Okay, now I know all of you guys are probably wondering, why is he wearing two different shoes? I'm going to explain what is wrong with me right now. And it all took place actually this last Monday. See, this last Monday, I wish I could tell you guys some awesome story about how I was fighting off bandits and they were trying to rob my house. But I was like, no, you will not rob my house in Jesus' name and then punch them in the face. I don't have a story like that. I was just going down. I was doing some work in our house. And I, I did, that makes it sound more manlier than what it was. I wasn't even doing work in our house. I was just moving things out of a closet. I slipped on the stairs. My toe, my foot hit the banister. And then when I like jumped, because you know how you like stub your toes sometimes. You're like, oh, I hurt my toe. I jumped up like, oh, I hurt my toe. But then when I landed on my feet, I was like, oh. And I looked down and my toe was going in a different direction. And I, I did a little prayer. I said, okay, Jesus, we need a little miracle here. And so, matter of fact, I went to the hospital. And the hospital that I went to, I'm not going to lie to you guys. The, the hospital, I'm not going to tell you guys the name of the hospital because I'm not trying to, like, bad mouth the hospital I went to. But the hospital I went to, this is their motto. And it says this. I just actually looked this up. Uh, recognized for clinical excellence and compassionate care. 
Okay, when I first went to the hospital, I had my friend drive me to the hospital, and he went in, he got a wheelchair for me and everything, he wheeled me in, and I, we went to go check in in the emergency room, and they made us wait like 15 minutes with my toe going, and then so as I'm sitting there waiting, I'm like, hey, can I get some like aspirin or something? Cause you know, I'm, I'm not like the pansiest guy in the world, but this kind of hurts. And they're like, no, you can't get anything until we see you. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, whatever. And so when we finally got in to see the doctor, the doctor, this is a true story. I'm not lying to you guys. When we finally got in, he looked at me and he goes, okay, I've seen this before. And when people, like, when you pop something out of place, he was like, we could put that back in the place and we could do one of it two ways. We can, one, I can take 10 minutes right now to go get uh, the needle to stick you so it numbs the area where your toe is at. And then when we do it, I could just put it back. That'll probably take about 10 or 15 minutes to get all that. Or I could take two seconds right now and we can just get that right in place for you. So me being the man I am, I'm like, boom, bring on two seconds. And so he took my my toe and he went like this and I went like, ah! And I screamed, I screamed the manly scream, but I screamed, and he was like, huh, let me try one more time, and we'll get this. And so he did it one more time, and after that, he was like, hmm, we might need to go take an x-ray. And so as he's doing this, I'm like, this does not show compassionate care. I, I do not feel cared about right now. And come to find out after the x-ray was taken care of, uh, it was broke. And him trying to put it back into place, it wouldn't have never worked. And so I went through all that pain for nothing. But here's the thing about it. When I think of love, that is not what I think about love. That does, when, when the Bible's all like, mm, the greatest of these is love, that is not what I'm thinking of when I think of that. When I think of love, I think of my wife. When I think of what love means, that's when my wife comes into play. I'll never forget when I first broke my toe and we're sitting downstairs and I called for my wife. She was watching TV. She's like, what, what, what's going on? And I was like, please come down here right now. And she was like, what's going on? And then she, when she saw my toe, she was like, oh, oh. And I was like, is it bad? And she goes, I think you need to go to the hospital. And, and she was like, you know what? I've seen a lot of doctor shows and maybe I could just put it in the place for you. And I was like, no, no. I was like, we're not, I'm not going to let you do all that. And so throughout this whole experience, my wife, she is actually throwing me, showing me three different ways that I think love is portrayed. And that is what we're going to talk about here today. We're talking about Mother's Day. You got to talk about love. You got to talk about mothers. But it's more than just a title that we give somebody. It's more than just, hey, if you're a female, then you're a mother. We're going to sell. But this is something that I believe that God has a plan for. This is something that we're all need to experience because I think a lot of us have experienced the other type of love. We've experienced that love that we got uh, maybe from the hospital. Maybe you haven't gone to the hospital and they've done that to you. But maybe you've experienced the world trying to force you back into place. Maybe you've experienced people mishandling you in some sort of way. But I'm here to tell you today that that is not the love that God has for you. God has a different type of love for you. And matter of fact, when I think about it, I think about a quote 
that I heard, and it was from a guy named Henry Drummond, and he said this, God is love, therefore love, without distinction, without calculation, without procrastination, love. See, I like what he says, because when I think about it, it's, Love is not saying, hey, I'm going to treat you this sort of way. It's not saying, let me think about how I'm going to love you. Love is not, I will love you later. Love is now. Love is, I'm jumping into this. Love is, I am following you. And I am with you. How many of us have really experienced that type of love? How many of us, if we can truly say, you know what, I have love like that, that you would be somebody that says, not only have I have love like that, but I have love like that. I think more than not, some of us may have love like that, but have you received the love like that? See, here's the thing. Uh, one of the ways that I believe that God does this is uh, this thing called holiness. Now, holiness, I know a lot of times when you first say that word holiness, people are like, oh, snap, we're now we're getting super spiritual. Now, you got to know, I am not a super spiritual person, so I'm not like, mm, holiness, you got to pray 24 hours a day and read your Bible, and if you don't know the first words of the Bible, then you're not holy. That's not the type of holy, I'm not, I'm, that's not me. I'm going to give you guys a real definition of what holiness is. And matter of fact, I believe that that came from a guy named uh, Elisha. He's one of the prophets in the Bible. And Elisha, think about Elisha as this. Uh, he was a prophet, and the reason why we put holiness with Elisha is this. In 2 Kings 4, there's a story of, about Elisha. He's just going about his day. He's going shopping. And this lady, she was just, all of a sudden, she's watching him. She's like, mm, that looks like a holy man. And that's actually the first time holy be, uh, starts in the Bible. It's from Elisha. She's like, that looks like a holy man. She was like, hey, Elisha, why don't you come to my house and live with us for a little while? Now, you guys got to know that this lady, she was married. And so that's kind of weird. Dudes, if your wife came home with another dude and was just like, he's going to live with us for a while. If that was me in my house, I'd be like, mm, he's going to get cut first. Like, it doesn't happen like that. But Back in the day, that's what she did. Her husband was like, okay, cool. This was an older couple, and so they didn't have any kids or any family. So this couple, they took care of Elisha as he lived there. And after Elisha was done and he was going to leave to wherever God had him next, he went to the couple and said, hey, I know that you guys have never had a kid, and so God's going to bless you with a kid now. And they're like, uh, Elisha, we're, oh, man, we can't. And Elisha's like, no, I don't care. God is bigger. You guys are going to have a kid. And they ended up having a kid. And so one of the things that when we learn about holiness, we learn from Elisha. And there are three things that we learn about Elisha, about being holy, is this. Holy people, first of all, they don't worry. See, Elisha, he didn't worry about where he was going to live, what he was going to eat, because he knew that God was going to take care of him. He knew, maybe he didn't know that there was an old lady that was watching him and would invite him over one day, but he knew in the grand scheme of things that God was going to take care of him, and he did not worry. Number two is this, that holy people, they are easily noticed. 
See, for Elisha, it wasn't like he was walking around and he was like, I'm holy, call me holy, look at me, I'm so holy, I speak holy words, holy, holy, holy. He didn't say none of that. It, he just was being who he was and how he loved his God. And that lady noticed that there was something different about him. She noticed and she even said, there goes a holy man. He didn't have to do anything outrageous. She noticed because of how he loved God. That's what made him different. And the third thing about holy people is this. Uh, they see results from being holy. Things are just different when you are holy. And when you think of holy, instead of like think of it as this ultra-spiritual thing, it's basically just saying uh, he's dedicated to God. He's just dedicated to serving God. That's, that's what he's depending on God for everything. And so when you're holy, things just happen. You see results from them. And matter of fact, his, the results he saw, it wasn't just in his life, but he was able to bless other people's lives just because he was holy. Just because he was dedicated to God. It's dedication. He loved God. So much that he was dedicated. How many of us have received a love like that? A love that makes you just stand out. A love that says, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. And a love that you can depend on. If we were to look into it, I'm pretty sure a lot of us would say that we haven't truly experienced that kind of but man, I want to tell you today um, that God, He has that kind of love for you. He has that love for those that are dedicated. It's just like any kind of uh, relationship, any kind of marriage. If if you're dedicated to your spouse, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, then you, they're going to say, they're like, "Man, I, you just you sexy. You just love me so much. You sexy. Like you just automatically go, up. guys. If you don't feel like this is all together there, just be more loving towards your wife, and you're going to become." That much sexier. That's just how it goes. So, there are three things when I think of that word, love. And when, when you guys think of love, my hope today is that when you think of love, you think of holiness to go along with it. They're just two side-by-side -side things. And so when I think of love, there are three things that happen. There are three things that stick out to me this week, and there are three things that happen when you are experiencing that kind of love. Uh, way number one is you experience someone else fighting for you. See, uh, I'll never forget uh, my wife, the day after I went to the doctor, like, yeah, we're going to have to uh, cut open your foot. I thought they were joking at first. I was like, yeah, you're going to cut open my foot for this? And they're like, yeah, no, we are. And so they're like, just wait. We're going to give you a call tomorrow morning, and then we'll tell you what time if we can fit you into the schedule. So, of course... The, before I left the, the ER, the emergency room that night, they put me up on a whole bunch of drugs. And so I'm like not knowing what's going on. This is probably the first message you ever heard of them talking about drugs. I was on drugs. And so I went home and I fell right to sleep. So, of course, that next morning, my wife was like, she woke me up and she's like, hey, we got to go. The hospital, they said that they can fit you in at this time, so we've got to go right now. I'm like, oh, okay, what's what's happening? So my wife, she's like, come on, I'm going to pick you up. Now, you guys have to know, my wife, she works out, but she doesn't like, she ain't bodybuilder working out. She's like, 
she could do some things, but she ain't picking me up. But of course, my wife, she like got me. She's like, put your arm over me. I got this. Come on, let's go downstairs. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? And of course, we've got two kids and my, my oldest daughter, she's almost four. My other daughter, she's only eight months old. So she was like, okay, you, you get to the car and you little eight months old, if you could walk, you be getting to the car too, but let's go. And she picked her up and she picked me up. She brings us both in the car. I'm like, wow. This woman is like really fighting for me. She's like making this happen. And this is what happens when you are experiencing God's love. Case in point, uh, we see with Elisha. See, Elisha is a great example of how holiness and love go together. Because see, first of all, in 2 Kings 2, 23 to 25, we read this about Elisha. And it says, from there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. That's a weird insult. And he turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys and <laughs> Elisha went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. That's a jacked up story. Now here's, if you didn't catch this, this is what happened. Elisha, he's walking along. He's doing what God is calling him to do. All of a sudden some little boys come out. They're like, oh, look at this dude. He's so bald. His head is so shiny. Baldy, 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 baldy. And then next thing you know, Elisha's like, uh, Lord, can you please take care of this? And God's like, I got you. And he sends bears to eat the little boys. This is the Bible that we need to read. And the thing about it is this, the thing that it speaks to us today is this, a lot of us, we get so caught up in the drama of life. We get so caught up when people start talking about us that it makes us feel down. There are some of us, even in this room right now, you are dealing with insecurities because somebody said something to you so long ago and it stopped the call of God that was on your life. Somebody said that you weren't worth anything and you started to actually believe it. But see, for Elisa, he's showing us don't get caught up in their drama. Don't worry about what other people say. Let God fight your battles for you because he's got something better for you. Your purpose is not in fighting other people. Your purpose is in doing what God has called you to do. Don't get so caught up in fighting your own battles because this is what it means for God to love you. He's saying, I love you so much, I will fight for you. I love you so much, I'm going to do something to silence all those other people. Don't get so caught up in looking down in the past on your road that you go back to that past. It's done. It's over. Move on. God will take care of that. You just do what's ahead. Number two is taking care of the little things. See, love is not about the grand scheme. Love is not just about, oh, those big events in your life, I'm going to be there. No, love is about those little things that happen that nobody doesn't maybe see, the things that don't get mentioned. I know when I'm thinking uh, about my wife and all the things that have happened this week, uh, uh, like I didn't realize how many different times 
I had to actually take my medicine, take my drugs, do all these certain little things. Matter of fact, it was so weird. When the doctors explained to me everything that needs to be done, they gave me drugs before they explained it to me. I'm like, why would you do that? I'm not going to remember this. But my wife, she remembered. And not only did she remember, she had a note in her mind. She's like, okay, at this time you need to do this. And every four hours I had to take this drug. And every four or six hours I had to take this different thing. And she was on it. She was like, you need to take this right now. I'm like, what? Are you sure it's the time? She's like, don't question me. Take it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm taking it. And I'm taking all these things. And I didn't realize all the little things that I needed to do in order to get better. And God is, he shows this in the story of, uh, with Elisha in 2 Kings 1 through 6. And it says this, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elisha goes, go. Now, you have to understand this part. There are people, they're like, hey, we're having church, but this church is too small for us. We need to be build a bigger church. Elisha's like, okay, cool, do what you got to do. This is the ghetto version of the Bible. And so then it says, one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? And Elisha goes, I will. Of course, you guys are going to go build a church. You want me to preach it? I'll help build it. Why not? And so he says, I will. And he went with them, and they went to the Jordan, and they began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. That's a weird thing. I'm sure some of us have cried a lot worse things. But he was like, oh, no, my Lord. When he showed him, he cried out, it's borrowed. And the man of God asked, well, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron flat float up. Now, here's the thing about it. Just so you guys know, uh, so these people, they're like, we're going to go build this church so we can have a bigger place to meet. Elisha's like, cool. They're like, Elisha, can you come with us to help us? Sure, no problem. They're cutting things. One guy, he goes to cut some tree down. The iron, the, the accent of his iron, it, it flew off into the river. He's like, oh, snap. I borrowed that from my Uncle Bobo. I can't pay him back for that. And Elisha's like, well, where did it fall? And he's like, in the river, dude. And he's like, okay. So Elisha took a stick, threw it in the river, and then the iron, it floated up. Now, here's the thing about it. I am not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that if you put iron in the water, it's going to sink. Iron does not float, but this thing floated up. Now, the thing that you guys have to know is this. This was not a magical axe. This wasn't an axe from God that is like only the holiest of holies can be built with this axe. No, this is just a regular axe that this dude borrowed from his uncle Bobo. And so he didn't, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything extra special. But the thing about it is this, as it fell into the water, since it was important to that guy, it was important to God. And God wanted to make sure that he got his axe head back. God wanted to take care of those little things for him. thing about we need to worry about is so many of us get caught up worrying about the little worries of the day. How many of us get caught up and worrying about the same bills Every single month. How many of us get caught up and worrying about, I hope my car starts today. And God's saying, let me take care of those little things for you. You don't have to worry about this no more. You pray, i am got it. It's done. You have other things you need to do. You need to still focus on what I've called you to do. I love you. 
I will take care of this for you. But yet so many of us hold on to the mundane. So many of us hold on to the worries that we think nobody else will think about these things except for me. But God says, no, not only am I thinking about them with you, I want to take care of them for you. Your, your whole, the reason why you're on earth is not to worry about whether rent's going to be paid every month. God has something bigger than that for you. And I can't tell you every single thing that God has called each and every one of you to do, but I sure know it's something bigger than a little worry. God loves you so much that He's saying, don't get so caught up and, and to these small things, don't stress about these things any longer. If you show that you love me, I'm going to take care of those things. Come to me. What's the use of being in a relationship with somebody if you don't rely on them? This is not a one-way street. This is a two-way street. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in thinking, well, if, if I do this number of good things, then God will at least do one big good thing for me. No, that's not how it works. My wife did not sit there and say, well, you forgot to take out the trash on Friday, and so uh, I'm only going to help you remember your medicine once. No! Every single day she was on it and she remembered and she did not bring up all the things that I've done in the past and said, well, I'm only doing this because you did this. She loves me. So she took care of those things every day. Whether I remembered her or not, she did it because she loves me. How much more does God love us? He wants to take care of more than just those little things. You just got to let him. You got to let go. Number three is we have to make sure that we're also relying on God for the big things. See, and Elisha, Second uh, Kings 4, 1 through 7, it says this, A wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming in to take my boy by two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied, how can I help you? So just so you guys know, back in the day, if you owed somebody money and you did not pay, then it was lawful. They could just come and take your family members and be like, we're enslaving you because you can't pay us back. So since her husband died, the creditor was like, well, we're going to take your boys and enslave them. So Elisha's like, what can I do for you? And she says, uh, your servant has nothing there at all. And he said, and she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left them and shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God. And he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. 
See, crazy thing about this story is this, that this lady, she had, she didn't have any money to pay back. And so, of course, Elisha was like, hey, how much oil do you have in your house? Not much. Back in the day, oil was like money. So it was basically him asking, how much money do you have left? She's like, not that much. And he's like, okay, go around, ask your neighbors for jars, not just some, but all the jars that you can gather. So of course she did, and she started pouring all the oil that she had left into the jars, and she filled Every single one of the jars she had left. She filled every single one. What does this say about us? Are you leaving room for God to do miracles in your life? Are you depending on God for the miracles? I think sometimes we hold in and we say, no, you know, God can only work with what I can work with. Well, maybe since this bill is this much, maybe if I work this much, God will do a miracle. No, God's not saying, what can you do to make this miracle happen? God says, hey, show me what you got, and I'm going to fill it. This is what love is. Love doesn't say, whatever you can do, then that will be good enough. Love says, hey, I'm going to go all out for you because I love you. I'm not going to hold anything back. And whatever you need, I'm going to take care of it. I think some of us... We, we forget that sometimes we serve a God that is not a, a man God. He's not the God of just a little, but He's the God of the big. He's the God of, of the miraculous. He's the God of the heaven, of the earth, and He loves you. That's crazy. So why don't you ask the God that made the mountains, that made the sky, that made everything that you see, Ask Him for what you need instead of asking just for the day. Ask Him for the lifetime. Ask Him, say, God, I need a big dream, and here's my dream. And depend on God to do it. Remember, love is relying on God for the fight, relying on God for the little things and relying on God for the big things. This is what holiness is. It's turning to God when you are in need. Love and holiness, they go together. Because you can't just love somebody and be like, eh, I ain't going to talk to you. I don't really need you. No. When you are in love, when you're in a relationship, you rely on that person. And when you rely on God, He's saying, be holy. Just expect from me everything that you need, and I'm going to give it to you. Because I love you. I'm going to call the worship team up here. And as they're coming up, 1 Corinthians 13.13 says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is not a man-made love. This is a God love. This is a love that says, I am willing to do whatever you ask as long as you're in this relationship with me. As long as you're committed... I'm going to show you things that you never thought were possible. Uh, in closing, I want to tell you guys a, a story. Uh, a couple couple years ago, my, my wife and I, we've been in this, uh, working with this organization called Free International that fights human trafficking uh, in the United States. And they go all over uh, searching for girls and boys that are being trafficked, all under the age of 17 years old. And so uh, they're going to big events, and one of the biggest events that we have every year is the Super Bowl event. And it was just a couple of years uh, when the Super Bowl was in New Jersey that we got to go to New York, and 
uh, we're working with free. And so we spread out in the teams in New York City trying to look for underage girl, girls and boys that are being trafficked that were on the streets that night. And this is my first time being in New York City. So I'm like, oh, snap, this is going to be so cool. Get to go to Times Square and see all the cool lights. And it was cool. We got there probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. And it was lit up like it was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, this is awesome. Now, we were with this lady. Her name was Tekla. And Tekla, she had been in the life for about 10, 15 years. And she told us how she used to uh, work there in New York City. And she was like, there's a place that we need to go that that's where they used to sell people at. And we're like, oh, okay, why not? It's getting late. It's a little cold, but why not? So we turned and we went away from like the Hollywood side of New York and we went into like New York, New York, like the scary part of New York. Like me being a black man, I was scared of being, in, I'm like, we're going to get cut in this part of New York. And we're walking down these streets and there's no lights and there's nothing. And we're getting tired. We're getting nervous. And Tekla goes, we just need to go a little bit further. And so we went and all of a sudden we came upon uh, this hotel. It was called Hotel Hotel. Now, I'll never forget the name of it. It was like the most ghettoest hotel I've ever seen in my life. And in the midst of all these rundown buildings was this white building with this flashy sign. And in the front of it was all glass. So you can see right straight through. And you know, there wasn't nothing in the front except for a table and an elevator. And Tekla, she goes, okay, stop and let's wait just a little while. We're like, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, we see this guy. He looks to be about 25 years old. He's got the nicest car I've ever seen. And he, she goes, see that guy over there? And we're like, yeah. She was like, that's a pimp right there. And I was like, there's no way. She goes, yes, that's a pimp. But watch what happens next. The next thing you know, we see the elevator doors open up, and this girl walks out. She didn't look flashy. She wasn't all dressed up. She looked like a normal girl. She came out. The guy went in. He gave the security guard a high five. He walked up to the girl. She handed him money. He took the money. She went back in the elevator. And the guy left. And she goes, there you go. It just happened right in front of your eyes. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Was that girl being trafficked? What's going on? I was like, we got to do something. So, of course, I take the booklet. And we're walking around with trying to find these girls and boys. And I go to the security guard. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you noticed what just happened, but there are people that are being stolen. And, and we were going to try to help and find them. And I was showing them the booklet. And I hand them the booklet. He goes, okay, okay. And I was like, if you see anything, call the number. And he goes, okay, I got you. I was like, thank you. And we left. And the guy didn't notice that we could still see him. And he took the booklet and he threw it in the garbage. And Teko goes, that's what happens when people don't care. And I'm thinking to myself, there's, there's got to be something that we could do. There's got to be something. So we went back and, and we told the police what we saw and, and we left. And as we're leaving, I looked on the news and sure enough, in, in the paper, they reported that uh, the night afterwards, they found six girls that were being held up in that hotel. And I started to think, not just about the six, but I started to think about the one. And I started to think, man, she had no idea that there was a God that loved her so much that he was willing to fight the fight for her. That she had no idea that there was a God that was working behind the scenes of everything to get people that she never knew and they never knew her, but to get them there and to see it and to make a miracle happen in her life that one of those people that saw what was happening would call and say, hey, you need to go help these people. We don't know who's in there, but she was in there and God helped her to get rescued that day. We don't know. She did not know that her 
her God was that big, but she found out. And then my question to you guys is this, how many of you are sitting here right now and you don't know it yet? You don't realize that even as some of us pray for the same things every single day, that there is a God working behind the scenes and saying, your miracle is coming. You just got to believe. You just got to trust in me and I'm going to take care of you. You have no idea, but I'm fighting the fight for you. Don't turn away. Don't walk away yet. I love you and it's coming. Don't worry. And so today I want to make sure that when you leave here today, you know that God is not only fighting your fight, not only is he taking care of the little things, but there's a big miracle coming because he loves you. He loves you. So what I'm going to ask everybody in here to do, I just want everybody to stand up. a little differently than what we did this last service. I'm going to let uh, the worship band uh, play. And if you're in here and you know, man, I'm in need for God to fight my fight. I'm getting tired. I'm getting run down and I need some help. Then I want you to make your way up here as they're worshiping. Just begin to lift your hands and worship God to release. If there are some of you in here right now that you're getting tied down by the little things of life, those details that just keep on coming to get you, and you're like, I can't take it no more, then during this time of worship, I want you to come up here and just release to God and begin to worship. And then if there are some of you in here right now that you know you need something big, you know you need that miracle to come, and maybe your miracle is not in dollars and cents, but maybe for you, your miracle isn't just breaking up the normal that you've had and you need a new normal that I want you to come up here and I want you to worship God and say God I'm giving it to you I trust you as we release then you will see how much God is able to come into your life so I'm going to let them play and if that's you you come up here and you begin to worship God and release and we'll pray after they're done This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.